It pays to be ignorant. No, that's not something I'm declaring. Rather, that's the title of the show on this track. This half-hour comedy program, a spoof of serious panel programs such as Information Please, features a panel of supposedly dim-witted characters who are asked simple questions like who is buried in Grant's tomb and what is the color of the White House? The show's moderator and host was a former vaudeville comic by the name of Tom Howard. At first, the networks were reluctant to air the show because of the insulting title, but eventually WOR, a local station in New York City, and part of the Mutual Radio Network took a chance. The program was a big success there for two years and then moved to CBS. The panel of expert fools on the show was comprised of three very different and colorful performers. Lou McConnell, a loudmouth comedian, George Shelton, a typical Brooklyn, New York comic, and Tom Howard's former comedy partner on vaudeville, and Harry McNaughton, a dry, dim-sounding Englishman. The program, which was the brainchild of Howard's daughter, Ruth, was written by Tom Howard and Ruth Howell. The show was directed by Herbert Polizzi, Al Madru, and the Esquires, and then the Con Cobblers, a Spike Jones-like unconventional orchestra provided vocals and musical interludes during the show. The announcers were Ken Roberts, Bruce Elliott, and Richard Stack. Sponsors included Peel's Beer and Philip Morris and Revelations Cigarettes. The show first aired on WOR in 1942, moved to CBS to 1944, then to NBC from 1950 to 51 when the show concluded its run. Nine years. Not bad for a show that was originally thought to be too insulting to produce. So here's an episode of It Pays to be Ignorant from July 6, 1947 with the lead-off question, What is a bigamist? This is a Loom Radio, a different kind of oldies program, and this particular show proves it. Thank you for listening. What is a bigamist? A man who doesn't know when he's got enough. Correct. Pay the man eight dollars. How can you carry water in a sieve? That's easy. Freeze it. Correct. Pay the man $9 because... It pays to be ignorant. As living proof to all you service men and women listening in over there that it does pay to be ignorant, here's another half hour with radio's biggest collection of zanies, the incomparable wits, George Shelton, Lulu McConnell, and Harry McNaughton, our doctor of music, Nat Novick, and the man who sticks his neck out every time at this week, or every week at this time, our moderator, Tom... Thank you, Johnny, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We have a board of experts who are so dumb they think rhubarb is celery with high blood pressure. Of course, we have a celebrate author, Mr. Harry McNaughton, who has just written a book entitled Inside of Mexico, or Chili Today, and Hot Tamale. Mr. Harry McNaughton. Thank you. I have a poem, Mr. Howard. Yes. The 4th of July has come and gone, but the memories of it linger. I held a firecracker in my hand. <laughs> have you seen my finger? <laughs> Did I sizzle? I imagine. All right. Next, we have a woman who has stopped growing, except in the middle. 
A woman, a woman whose name may not be in who's who, but whose picture is in watch this. Here she is, Miss Rodo McConnell. Miss you know, Mr. Howard, we got a rumor at our house, uh-huh. and we don't know who he is. Don't know who he is? How'd you come to take him in? Well, we went home one night and found him in bed asleep. He looked so peaceful, we didn't like to wake him up. That was very considerate. Yeah. Well, when he woke up, did you ask him who he was? He hasn't woke up yet. He... How, how long has he been asleep? Well, about four weeks now. Four weeks? Uh-huh. Did it ever occur to you that he may be dead? You know, I never thought of that. Hey, uh... <laughs> I better wake him up and I get home and ask him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ask him what? If he's dead. Uh-huh. Miss McConnell, did your mother ever have any children that had heads on? Well, you let's get on here, please. <laughs> Never mind telling me. I wouldn't believe you anyhow. Next, we have a man. Next, we have a man who the day he was born, the doctor said to his parents, congratulations, I think it's a baby. A man? A man who has had... A man who has had a Ph.D. from three reform schools and has the scars to prove it. Here he is, Mr. George Shelton. Yeah, I just got a letter from my Uncle Webb put up in Maine, Mr. Hart. Uh-huh. Guess what? He bought a hotel. Uh-huh. He bought a hotel? Yeah. And the other day he caught the bellboy standing on a chair looking through the transom. Uh-huh. Oh, would you believe it? He fired him right away. Well, they, why'd he fire him? Well, there wasn't room on the chair for both of them. I see. <laughs> Why, why didn't he get another chair? Never mind. We won't go into that, Mr. McNaughton. Now, let's get on with the program. Here is the first question of this evening. See what we can do with it. Yes. During the Great Flood, the animals marched two by two into whose ark? Would you mind repeating the questions to Hard? I'll be glad to. Thank you. During the Great Flood, the animals marched two by two into whose ark? Sounds just like what you said the first time. It is what I said the first time. Well, you see that? I was right. <laughs> What's the next question, Mr. Howard? Uh, <laughs> Mr. McNaughton, some people thirst after knowledge, some thirst after fame. Would you tell me what you thirst after? Yeah. Pretzels. Pretzels. <laughs> you know, my brother-in-law made a lot of money making pretzels. All right. It was crooked dough, though. Uh, <laughs> Sheldon, you have an awful crust pulling a thing like that. It's remarkable how you three vacuum heads can evade so many questions. Have and any of you ever heard of the Great Flood? This man built an ark. He built a what? Ark. Ark. Oh, I used to sing that. Sing what? Lo, here's a gentle ark. Ah. Beautiful. Ah. Voice like a sawmill. Please shut your mouth. I'll have you know, Mr. Howard, I think that was beautiful. I'm glad you You know, Miss McConnell, it was divine. It it, it carried me away. Well, wherever it carries you to, stay there, please. (laughs) Can it be possible that none of you know who built Noah's Ark? Do you know Mr. Shelton? No, I... That's right. Now, let's get on with that. Well, that's awfully jolly, you know. Mr. Shelton got it the first time. I got what the first time? I asked you if you know who built the ark. I know you didn't. I said no. Well, that's right. <laughs> Wait a minute. What is this? What do you care as long as you answer the question? But I didn't answer the question. How could I answer the question when I don't know the answer look, even? Look. Listen, you're not going to accuse me of answering the questions correctly. <laughs> I'm no stool pigeon. I see. 
You had nothing to care, Mr. Sheldon. Mr. Sheldon, we all heard you answer the question. Yes. He did not answer. I heard what he said. All right. I got ears. Yeah. Well, you better stay indoors when it's windy. Those <laughs> <laughs> ears will flap your brains out. What brains? Never mind. Oh, yeah, well, I got brains. Plenty of brains. Yeah. I got brains I haven't used yet. Yeah. <laughs> And brains you never will use. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Sheldon, you mean you don't know who built the ark? No. Well, that's right. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Richard, is everybody nuts around here? Look, wait a minute. Look, Noah built the ark. All right, let him build it. I didn't even know he had the contract for it. Oh, wait a minute, please. I say, Mr. Hart, tell me, he had a sister, didn't he? No, he didn't have a sister. No? Then who's this girl, Joan of Arc? She lives... Ah, Johnny... this next question. Should be very simple. Can any of you tell me what they call a person that is born in Boston? You know, Mr. Howard, I have a brother-in-law drives a truck in Boston. Yeah, well, that ought to help us. Uh, what, what do they call him? Beatrice. 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 Yeah, his mother wanted a girl. I see. She was different. <laughs> Mr. McConnell, I've seen better heads than yours on the top of totem poles. Yeah? Better heads than yours on the top of a pin. Ah. <laughs> Thank you, Miss McConnell. Thank you, Miss Howard. Mm. <laughs> Shall we dance? Shall we? <laughs> the 
request is what do they call a person born in Boston. Now, to show you just what I mean, Mr. Sheldon was born in Brooklyn. Oh, what's the matter uh, with that? What's the matter? Yes, no, I was please. born in Brooklyn. Oh, no, I know. What are you trying to do, start an argument no, or something? No, just because uh, Cincinnati took I, three out of four I'm games from it? I'm not talking about Cincinnati. When Dave gets back there with his big stick? A lot. Please. Are you, you're trying to start something, you are. I'm not starting you anything. Take your glasses off and I'll punch you right in the nose. Say, are you looking for trouble? Yes, I am. If you're looking for I can give it. I can dish it out. You can dish what out? You're a dumb cluck. <laughs> Mr. Sheldon, all I said was you were born in Brooklyn. I was not. Enough. Will you cut it out? So you, you are called the Brooklyn Knight. Oh, I was not. What do you mean? Brooklyn at night. I didn't. Me. I was born at six o'clock in the morning. How do you know? I went after the milk that morning. your head at the mouth of a bottle ever since. Now, let's get on there. As I said, a person born in Brooklyn would be termed a Brooklynite. A man born in Michigan would be a, a Michigander. Oh, a Michigander. I suppose a woman would be called a Michigoose. A Mich <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the children would be called Michigoosling. Will you please cut it out? Look, I suppose a person is born in Jersey. Would he be a sweater? A sweater. <laughs> he would be called a Jerseyite. Are you a Jerseyite, Mr. Howard? Yes. Funny looking things, ain't they? <laughs> Are you insulting me, Miss McConnell? Phil Baker. What do you mean, Phil Baker? Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. <laughs> If a man was born in Virginia, would he be a ham? No, no. He would be a Virginian. But now I was born in Long Island, what am I? An oyster. Now we turn to our contestants. While Mr. Roberts is getting the folks up here, we all can put on our earmuffs uh, and try to shut out the noises of Dr. Novick and his orchestra. No one has a doctor because they used to play on the curb. Here he is, Dr. Novick.
round of applause was for unless it's the reason that you're glad they're finished. All right. Who's our first guest this evening, Mr. Roberts? He is Bosun's mate, first class Bob Lara, Mr. Howard. Bob Lara of the United States Coast Guard. Well, that's great. for coming up. We're glad to have you with us. And boy, may I tell you, you're some oh, some hunk of soldier, or some hunk of sailor, rather, I might say. How do you feel? Feel pretty fine tonight. Well, you certainly do look it, I tell you that. Where's your hometown, Bob? Would you care to tell us? Uh, Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, Illinois. Well, shave my head and call me Baldy. Oh, yes, I used to work in that town. I was a painter with the OPA. You, you, uh, you were a painter with the OPA? I used to paint the ceiling. I see. <laughs> from the Bob, they may go away. You say you're from Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Oh, Mr. Howard, did you know Chicago was sick? Well, I... Uh, what? Yeah. Chicago is sick? I just got a letter from a friend there, and it said on the envelope, Chicago ill. Chicago I personally in a bad way, but that's the worst. Chicago ill. Boy, that one knocks me for a loop. <laughs> All right, let's get on I'll tell you, know, you know, Boston's mate, uh, Latimer, I was in the last war, you know. Oh, you were? Oh, well, do I remember the first day I landed in camp. The sergeant said to me, he said, McNaughton, you get up at five in the morning, you see. You get up when you hear the call, and if you don't hear the first call, or the second call, or the third call, <laughs> don't bother getting up. <laughs> You're dead. <laughs> and were you? Oh, I was... We'll find that out later. How long have you been in the service, Bob? Uh, three years. Three years. Congratulations, my boy. That is great, and we're proud of you. What did you do before you entered the service? Well, I uh, used to dabble around in radio. Oh, you did? Well, that doesn't surprise me, because I've been listening to you here. You have a marvelous voice. I was just... I might change Roberts here any time. Come around and see me. <laughs> what do you think you'll do after this thing is over? I mean, your post-war plans. Well, I haven't thought too much about it yet, well, Mr. Howard. Well, I know, I know whatever you do, Bob, you're going to be successful in it. And we're mighty glad to have you with us tonight. Yeah, what's your first name, Bob? What's your first name? Bob? Bob. Bob. Yeah, cute. very, very coincidence. He's an only cute kid, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my, he's, he's a... Yeah, you're only wasting time. <laughs> well, you, you can just... You can just call me Evening Star. Yeah. yeah. I come out at night. Yeah. Don't is your teeth. Would you reach into the lunch cap, Bob, and pick out a question for us, please? And when you get one, would you be kind enough to read it right into the microphone, if you don't mind? In what city is the New York Public Library located? That's very good. In what city is the New York Public Library located? Well, I say, my word, that's a literary question, isn't it? Well, not exactly. Oh, what a pity. I love literary questions. Do you know the answer? I'm afraid not. You see, if it was a literary question, I'm sure I'd know the answer. I see. But inasmuch as it's not a literary question, I wouldn't know. I see. And I'm terribly sorry. Okay. Carry on. Carry on. All right. Mr. McBarton, please, let's get on here. Are you a moron, an imbecile, or a nitwit? You mean I have my choice? You have your choice. <laughs> no, for your sake, 
Mr. McNaughton, we'll say it is a literary question. Yes. Now do you know the answer? Well, what was the question, Mr. Howard? Ah, oh, forget it, please. Can I forget it too, Mr. Howard? I didn't mean you. I'm talking to Mr. McNaughton. But that isn't fair. Why can't we all forget it? Why no. just Mr. McNaughton? No. <laughs> the whole trouble with you, you're, you're disintegrating. That's yeah, what you're doing. you're a horse. That's what you're doing. You're showing partial, uh, partial, yeah. hot cheesy. Yeah, I... <laughs> Yeah, I wish I was educated. I'd tell you something. Yeah, I wish you were. Tell it in your own words, Mr. Shelton. You're a bum. <laughs> Listen, you three soggy dictators. All I want to know is in what city is the New York Public Library located? I was at the library this afternoon. Did you take out a book? No, I took out the librarian. <laughs> My old man reads a lot. Yeah, what kind of books does he read? He don't read books. Huh? No, he reads the gas meters. Ah, please, wait a minute. Look, I'm asking you all like a sister from the lodge. What city is the New York Public Library located? I think you know I spend hours and hours in the library. Uh, Reading? No, not exactly. You see, I'm an old filler. Well, let's get... You're a what? I'm an old filler. Very you, interesting hobby, too. Would you mind telling me, Mr. McNaughton, just what is a no-filler? Oh, with pleasure, old boy. You see, I go to the library. You see, and I select a book, take it to the table, take my pencil out, open the book, and then I pick out all the words that have O in them, and I fill them in with my pencil. Imagine that. That must be very interesting work. Yes. You mean you fill out every O in the book? Oh, I never miss a one. Huh? Some people, you know, miss quite a few, but I get them all. I see. I'm an expert. You're an expert. Yeah. How long does it take you? Well, that all depends, of course, on the size of the book. Uh. I'm working on a book right now. I don't expect to have it finished until, oh, Christmas. Yeah, what's the name of it? Forever Amber. <laughs> Of course, I just fill in the O's with a pencil, you see. The more experienced O fillers fill them in with ink. Yeah, it's more permanent. Makes it a permanent I job. imagine it would, you know yeah, me? yeah. That's, that's very nice. Look, Mr. McNaughton, you mean to tell me that there's other people who fill in O's? Oh, my dear boy, there, there are hundreds of us. Uh-huh. You have a union, I guess. Too. Oh, well, not yes, we're organized. Oh, you're organized. Now, you take the artistic O fillers. Yeah. They're the ones, you know, the artistic ones that we really look up to. I imagine, artistic O fillers. Yes. How do they fill them in? Well, instead of filling the O in, you see, they draw faces in the O. Oh, I see. I've got one of the books at home now. It's a masterpiece. Had it autographed. By the author? No, by the O-filler. Uh, Mr. McNaughton, I'd love to have you go out and get a straight jacket. With pleasure. What size do you wear? Why, I'm just...
guest, please. Our next guest, Mr. Howard, is a very charming and lovely young lady, airwoman first class Hazel Crow of the Royal Canadian Air Force. Ah, Beautiful girl she is. Oh, indeed she is. Very beautiful, Miss Miss Crow. Is something to crow about? All right. Oh yes, rather yes. She's very, very beautiful. All right. Very charming. All right, Miss McNaughton. Would you care to to come over to the library and fill in a couple of O's? Mr. McNaughton, there's a no in your brain that needs filling in. Pay no attention to them, Miss Crow. Where's your hometown? Would you care to tell us? Well, I'm originally from Los Angeles, but now I'm living in Montreal. In Montreal, Canada. Oh, yeah, beautiful place. Oh, I've been there. What's that? I've been to Montreal. Oh, you have? Oh, met a nice young lady there. I'm out to dinner. All she had was a bowl of soup. A bowl of soup? Boy, when I take my girl out, she always orders a $2 dinner. Of course, my girl has teeth. Your girl has teeth. my life, Mr. Sheldon. How dare you say that, sir? You old piece of linoleum, you old rag carpet, you worn-out oriental rug, you old doormat, you... Say, what are you doing here? I'm, I'm laying him out. You're laying him out. <laughs> I'm sorry for the interruption, Miss Crow, but you see how conditions are here. Uh, you say you're from Montreal. I was going to ask you, is the Princess Theater still up there? Yeah, that's right. It is? Yes. What street is that on? Catherine? St. Catherine Street. Crad- yeah, I played there time and time again some years ago. How do you like New York? I like it very much. You do? Sitting, yes. You live in New York now? No, I'm not. I'm out here on furlough. Oh, you're not living. You're just on furlough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sincerely hope you're having a very good time. And congratulations. You girls are doing a great job. Great work you're doing. Well, I like a uniform, honey. Yeah. I, I, I wonder how I look in a uniform like that. <laughs> like June is busting out all over. Would you do us a favor while you're here, please, and reach into the dunce cap and pick out a question for us, if you will. And when you get one, would you kindly read it? Just take your time and read it. What do you catch with fishing tackle? That's a very good question. What do you catch with a fishing tackle? Oh, I love to fish, Mr. Hart. Last time I went fishing, I caught six jellyfish. Six jellyfish. All different flavors. Uh, all different flavors. <laughs> Raspberry, lemon, strawberry, cherry, and lime. All right, please. And one chocolate soda. Ah, oh, cut it out, will you please? go fishing, too. Will you take me fishing with you the next time you go, Mr. McNaughton? He'll need better bait than that. Let's go on. Boy, do I know a place to fish. Oh, I catch them that big, big fellas. Uh-huh. Yeah, I go to the same place all the time in my boat. Well, tell me, how do you know it's the same spot? Oh, that's easy. I got an X marked on the side of the boat. Oh, I see. <laughs> you ever hear such a thing, Mr. Sheldon? You're a nitwit. Yeah, and I got papers to prove it, too. <laughs> What do people catch with fishing tackle? You know, the development of a fish is most interesting, you know. For instance, there's one fish that starts out as an egg, changes into a tadpole, develops into a minnow, turns into a whitefish, and finally becomes a herring. Huh. Boy, it sure goes to a lot of trouble just to wind up in a delicatessen. All right, please. I like deep-sea fishing, you know. There you are out on the ocean, gazing at the water, when suddenly a lone shark appears. You know, those guys follow you everywhere, don't they? <laughs> You know, it's strange how all the big fish eat up the little sardines. Yeah, I wonder how they get them out of the cans. Well, don't you know the sardines always leave the key on the outside of the can? That's how they get it. <laughs> uh, please, uh, Miss McConnell, next time you lose your head, don't bother looking for it. 
Oh, I won't. Why not? Where am I going to put my hat? Oh, can we please get back to the question? It's about fishing. We know it's about fishing. You don't have to tell us it's about fishing. I know. What do you think we've been talking about all this time? Love. Gee whiz, to hear you talk, it made people think and give the impression that we're dumb or something. They'll never get the impression. They'll never get the impression that you're something. Don't worry about I'll it. I tell you, it would be terrible, you know, people, people thought we were dumb. Well, I do. That's beside the point. All right. Last time I went fishing, I caught a headache. Why didn't you take an aspirin? Well, look, Mr. Now, Mr. McNaughton said he caught a haddock, not a headache. Oh. A haddock is a fish. Oh, you're crazy. A haddock is a sort of a swing. You hang it between trees. No, that's a hammock. Oh, no, no, Mr. Bull. No, no. A hammock is a sort of a footstool. Please, that's a hazzock. Oh, no, a hazzock is a Russian soldier. <laughs> that's a Kozak. I'm talking about a haddock, a fish. Oh, God, how can you be so stupid? A haddock is what you see at the racetrack. They keep horses in them. No, there's the shell, and that's a paddock, a round, wide thing with a broad canopy. Now we're back to Mr. McConnell again. Mr. Malaysia is waving his arms at me, which means that time is up. We'll be around your house this time next week again with a few laughs to make you happy. If you tune in on us, you'll make us happy. So here's our romantic baritone to tell you just what we mean when we say... It's great to be ignorant, to be dumb, to be dense, to be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant just like me. For the record, that's all. Be with us again next week and hear it proven again by Tom Howard, Lulu McConnell, George Shelton, and Harry McNaughton that it pays to be ignorant. Speaking, this is the Armed Forces Radio Service.